Pass and Roll, brought to you by Mile High Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. Uh, site manager over at Denver Stiffs, and we are part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, of course. Uh, wanted to get into this fun conversation with a very special guest of mine. We, we are both on the off-season grind. Uh, he is approaching it in a very similar way that I feel like I am as well. And we, we each have ideas that I think Nuggets fans are excited that we bring to the table that we can talk about and, and potentially kind of kick off some of this real free agency trade draft conversation. We're, we're focused less on the draft because I, I don't feel as comfortable with that part of it yet. But from a free agency and trade perspective, I cannot think of a better person on Nuggets Twitter to talk to about free agency stuff than Jake Coyne at Bronco Squatch. He's one of the best follows on Twitter. Make sure to give him a follow. Give his off-season preview a follow as a, a read as well. Jake, thank you so much, man, for coming on. Really appreciate you taking the time. Well, thanks, Ryan. That uh that introduction was probably too kind, but uh I do my best and feel like I put out some good content. And uh yeah, it's the most wonderful time of the year getting ready for the offseason. So I'm excited to to talk about it. It's gonna be a lot of fun and and I think for Nuggets fans and and for the Nuggets organization, this is go time. This is the time where you feel like the last couple of years were were kind of taken away from you from a a playoff competition standpoint, but you feel like you've got the talent. And and I think the Nuggets fans and Nuggets organization should feel good about the talent that they've amassed. Obviously, the problem has been getting that talent all on the court at the same time. We haven't really seen what it looks like just yet. Uh, and, and as we have kind of gone down that route, the salary cap and, and, and Denver's financial situation has sort of taken a turn where they kind of missed the easier window for, for where the, the, the championship contention can be at their maximum. And now it gets even harder from a financial perspective. Would you agree? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, when you think about some of the teams that are contending, right now that are younger you have like the Grizzlies and they have John Morant who's not even on his his full deal yet he's still on his rookie deal even if you think farther back uh, when the Warriors were first making their runs Steph Curry was on a super friendly contract just because of his injury situation Um, and where the Nuggets are at um, I mean they're paying all their guys starting next year and so it's definitely different from those other situations but uh, still doable uh, to build a very good team. And most of the time, like if, if you are a championship contender, you are paying the tax. That's just just kind of how champions are built in, in this day and age for the most part. Uh, Denver has not paid the tax in 12 years. This is something that they are new to, at least from a, from a recent standpoint. Uh, you have talked about this in the past, and, and I, I definitely agree with you. You feel like they are ready and capable of paying the tax this coming season. Yeah, I do. I think really that decision was made last summer to do that when they gave Aaron Gordon all that money um, and Michael Porter Jr. all his money. Um, It's not to say that they still couldn't cut corners if they wanted to. They could make make some cheap moves, I guess, Um, but I do expect them to pay the tax. Uh, The only question would be how far into it they go. Yeah, that's one of the things that I I plan on asking is just – There's a certain level to this that teams are willing to go. There's a certain threshold that 
every team that's it's a dollar amount. It's it's maybe it's not a penny over the the tax. Maybe it's uh, before the hard cap. Maybe it's uh, ten million over the tax and not crossing that threshold. Right now, it looks like the Nuggets. I I, I ran the numbers a few a couple weeks back or so. Uh, with the player options for Jeff and Jamichael Green, and then if you sign somebody to the full taxpayer MLE, Denver's looking already at like $21 million over the luxury tax right now. And once you cross that $20 million threshold, it just gets absurd how, how much those bills will run. Uh, do you think that Denver is willing to go that far? Yeah, I mean, I think they're willing to go that far for – for at least like a limited amount of time. You know, I don't, I don't think this is the type of team or ownership group that's going to pay, you know, a $50 million tax bill for six or seven seasons in a row. Um, especially if you're not winning a bunch of titles in that time. Um, but I think this ownership group will at least give them a shot. Um, and that could be a season or two seasons. Um, and if they're able to take advantage of that, uh, maybe the, the Cronkies are willing to, willing to dig a little deeper into those pockets um, but if things don't go well, uh, they might have to reshape the team here in a couple of years to get a little cheaper. We've seen what happened with the LA Rams and how they spent and spent and made sure that they put themselves into a position to win this last season in the NFL. They got it done, got to raise the trophy. Stan Kroenke got to, got to hold the trophy up over his head. And that was pretty cool. Uh, now it would seem to be Denver's turn. You've got the two-time MVP who Josh, Josh Kroenke just went out to go see in Sambor, Serbia, as well as the entire Nuggets contingent. So that moment actually I think was one of the, the defining things to me that said, okay, this team and this group is invested in their success right now. They know what they have and they know the kind of relationship that they have with Nikola Jokic and how they want to foster that. I think they are going to go over the tax now. And it, I honestly was a little bit, I mean, I, I knew that they would go over the tax, but there are certain levels to this. Like, are they going to kind of wuss out on paying the full taxpayer MLE? Are they going to sign their free agents and bring those guys back for, uh, even if it counts for raises and whatnot? I, I, I thought that they might cut some corners. Maybe they do a salary dump still. We, we don't know, but I, I think they are going to go for it. That's, that's, my, that's my general sense. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I think they'll give this group at least one really good shot. You know, let's see what, let's see what the Murray MPJ Gordon Jokic nuggets can get done. Um, How far it goes beyond this season. I don't know. Um, But I think they're at least willing to give this group one, one really expensive, good shot. Um, And I think the team's good enough that it's worth it. So. I think so too. And so we're, we're, we now get to have our fun. We now get to talk about the the fun, pricey scenarios where you bring in some extra cash. You bring in some guys that that might cost a little bit of extra money. Uh, I am really curious to see some of the names that that you might bring to the table in this discussion. But I've I've thought of some names that I think are a little bit outside the box too that that I wouldn't have considered in the past. Now now that. But now that they're in this position, I, I feel pretty good about bringing some names. So before we get to that, the future first round picks, uh, Denver has two that they can trade 2027, 2029. They could trade 2028, but it would kind of be dumb. 
uh, for, for them to do that just because it hamstrings them and they can't trade any others at that point. Uh, what can you tell us about Denver's rules for trading those first round picks and, and when the draft comes into play? Yeah. So when it comes to trading draft picks, um, you can only trade out of future drafts every other season. So not two seasons in a row. Um, and so, like you're saying, uh, their 2023 pick has been traded and their 2025 pick has been traded. Uh, so that leaves seven and nine, because if you traded 2028, uh, that would mean you could only trade that one. So I agree sure. with you that, that that would be a weird move uh, for them to make. Um, and so in addition to that, um, what that rule doesn't say is that you can't trade out of every draft if it's current. And so the Nuggets actually could, if they were to make a move during the 2022 draft, they could trade that pick as well. Um, but that would be the most they could go. I uh, would be three outgoing first round picks and only if they did it during the draft. It would be a, a insane move, uh, to say the least, to try to do something like that. Uh, the Drew Holiday deal kind of comes to mind in terms of the the. Bucks traded at around the draft time. They traded three first round picks, two pick swaps to get somebody like that. They didn't have to give up too many talented players as a result. And so maybe that's something that, that you look at if you're Denver, but that, that is the max Denver can go. Like there's no way that they can trade for a star without giving up every single bullet in the chamber. And, and you're probably trading guys like Bones and Zeke as well in that to, to, to really go get somebody. But I just kind of wanted to set that as the, the maximum benchmark that Denver has to work with. They can do multiple deals. They could do one big deal. They could do no deals at all and wait until the trade deadline. Do you, do you have a preference given what the, you think the market is going to look like on how they approach that? Yeah. Um, I think we saw enough weaknesses with the current team that you do have to do something this summer. Um, I know a lot of people will point to like Will Barton. Um, and I agree. That's probably the first place you look um, is maybe upgrading there. Um, but they could upgrade smaller this summer and then move Barton around the trade deadline. If they have some different guys they like that become available then. Um, but I do think this summer we'll see, I think we'll at least see something. Uh, how big it is, I don't know, um, but I'm pretty confident they'll do some type of move this summer. Um, and by the trade deadline, I think we see uh, like a Will Barton uh, on a different roster by that point. Yeah, and it's too bad. Like you, you and I both both kind of share those sympathies a little bit that it uh it obviously went the wrong way given given where it was supposed to go with them. They're supposed to have a good two-year run with this group and that was where you could kind of maximize what he was doing at that time but I just it just hasn't really worked and, and I'm of the same mind that every every scenario that you run where Denver keeps their core together often means that Will Barton is the guy that has to be the, either that matching salary piece or the upgrade piece where he has to be kind of, he's often the mark on defense or isn't the guy getting it done on the offensive end where they need him to. So 
it's tough. It's always, it's always tough conversations around this time and human conversations around this time that a lot of people have to have, but we're going to get that out of the way because we're about to talk and, and float a whole bunch of trades that, that are going to include half of Denver's roster at this point. So I just wanted to get that out of the way before and have people realize that these are human beings and just keep it at that. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, you never want to look at guys and just say they're an asset. You know, these are human beings right. and um, these are players that have worked their butt off to get to the point that they're at. Um, and unfortunately, I just think everything kind of has an expiration date. Um, even the Nuggets core four right now, you know, those guys aren't going to be around forever. Um, and so everything comes to an end eventually. It's true. Definitely true. Um, two more questions before we hit a break. Murray Monte Bones, uh, I know you talked about this with Adam. I know you've talked about this on uh, your awesome document that everybody should go read. Uh, it is a is a trio of talented offensive players that are like Murray is the biggest one of the three, but all relatively smaller. You would you would want to have a wing in that group if you could that was playing high minutes, but but Denver doesn't really have that. They kind of have to work with the pieces that they do have. Do you think that you can win at the highest level with those three guys playing significant roles in the backcourt next season? Yeah. I mean, I would say that it really, it really just depends on who the fourth guy is that you bring in. Um, You know, if you're starting Monte and Jamal, that's, that's a pretty tough lineup to see doing well defensively. So I'd have some questions there. Um, even when I think about a guy like Bones Highland, uh, he did a lot of good things, especially for a rookie. Uh, but I do need to see a little bit more uh, before I'm comfortable saying he's a starter type of player. You know, right now, I think he's he's a rotation guy. And that's fine because that's that's where you should be going into your second year. Um, and so, you know, having those three guys, I think you can do it. Um, but I think you probably have to get a little better uh, than Will Barton in that fourth spot. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how the Nuggets do that. Um, the only other thing I would add is that Monte and Bones are only making like a combined uh, 11 or 12 million for the next two seasons, I think. Uh, that's right. a very that's a very easy number to swallow. Um, you're not itching to get rid of either of those contracts, um, but if the right deal comes up, um, you could look at moving one. 100%. That's that's exactly how I would approach this, that you have your guys that you would probably move and you would probably move uh, for an upgrade. But if you're actually going to make a, a significant move, then that's where you start talking about those three. Because on, on one hand, it, it is a weakness, but on the other hand, it's a strength and that you have three guys that you feel pretty comfortable giving the ball at any given points and running pick and roll and running DHOs and, and off ball actions and things like that. So I, I, I struggle with it because I, I want to believe in it uh, just selfishly. I think that is a, a three man trio that can really be impactful in the playoffs next year. Uh, but as we've seen defense wins, defense is where they need to improve. And if they don't get better there, then that's going to be a problem. So we'll, we're just going to have to see who that fourth guy is if that's if that's where they're at. Final one here. Denver has seven free agents. Uh, they have two additional player option guys. We won't talk about those guys yet. Uh, but of the seven free agents, including the both two-way contracts, 
the free agents that I would personally place the highest on Denver's wish list to return. Number one, Austin Rivers. Number two, DeMarcus Cousins. Number three, Davon Reed. Uh, do you have any arguments there? Do you think that Denver should have it in a different order? Uh, no big arguments. My only small one would probably be I'd put Davon Reed two, DeMarcus Cousins three. Um, my only reasoning there is that uh, I think Denver could use a little bit more rim protection on that second unit. Um, and if you're able to find that in place of DeMarcus Cousins, I think that's a solid move. Um, but uh, I think those are quite clearly the top three uh, that Denver should look to bring back. Um, and so, you know, as long as that's the top three, I think I think we're all in agreement here for the most part. The others being Bryn Forbes, Faku Campazo, Vlaco Chanchar, Marcus Howard. I, I love Vlaco. It, it's, it's going to come down to if the 15th roster spot is open, I think. Um, and just, just if you, you want to have that guy, um, Forbes, I don't think it worked that well. I thought, I think what, what they brought him in for, he brought and the weaknesses sort of showed Faku. That was tough. It was just a tough thing all around. And sometimes things just don't work. And then Marcus Howard, like he just seems very, uh, duplicative with Denver's current group. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I remember last offseason, Marcus Howard was looking for a, a full-time deal, not a two-way deal. Right. Um, I'm assuming he'll look for that again, um, and I don't think Denver is the team that's going to give him that. Um, if any team does, I'm not even sure about that. Um, but yeah, and then Vlatko, I agree with you. You know, if Denver was to do like a two-for-one deal or three-for-one deal where they're sending out multiple guys and only getting back one, I think that opens up more spots for a guy like Vlatko. Um, so something like that would probably depend on the rest of the moves they make. Especially because of the continuity factor. I think that's where, that's where when you're, when you're making some massive changes, making some massive moves, it's nice to have something solid, something that you have seen before and can rely upon in the future, uh, to the degree that you can, we'll, we'll just have to, we'll have to play that by ear, but, uh, Vlacko's, Vlacko's fine. Um, but either way, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to play a fun game that I floated to Jake earlier that I think we are going to very much enjoy on the trade targets front. We will be right back. Pickaxe and Roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Really appreciate all the love and support on this podcast, on these programs. Uh, I know I was very cryptic in, in one of the tweets and a couple of the tweets that I sent over these past couple of days. Everything is okay. We're going to be just fine. I'm really looking forward to the future. Uh, but for now, uh, joined today by Jake Coyne, Bronco Squatch. Make sure to follow his fantastic work, of course. Jake, let's talk about trade targets because we've been we've been kind of beating around the bush a little bit. Uh, you, in your piece, floated several names, several guys that Denver could look at, different types of plans that they could be looking for. Independently, I have come up with several names of my own. Some of them have some overlap. Others do not. Others were a little bit more kind of aggressive than I think where, where you were at times. 
uh, just in terms of, hey, this this is a this is a kind of an all or nothing style move that you'd be looking at. Uh, and I think that given that the conversation that we just had, that Denver's trying to be aggressive, might as well look at the all in style moves. So are you ready for me to I'm going to float 10 different names at you to fit in the starting backcourt for Denver? And we are going to rate those guys on a scale of one to 10 based off of talent level, based off of structural fit, based off of the assets that you'd need to trade for them, and and then the contract situations that they have. I want you, and I'm going to do the same thing, to rate these guys on a scale of 1 to 10 on how great of a fit they are for the Nuggets. Are you ready to go? Ready, man. Let's hear it. All right. I could have done some other guys like there are guys that I would talk about here, but they're probably not a tangibly better fit than Will Barton. Uh, honorable mentions on that front, Evan Fournier, Talon Horton Tucker, Danny Green, now that he potentially has a massive knee issue. There are some other names that I could go into, but that's kind of the range that I'm thinking. Denver's probably not going to go for those guys. They would have to be a little bit more aggressive on this front. So the first name that I actually have for you is a name that you covered, Lou Dort. Yeah, so I'm going to give Lou Dort um, a seven, almost okay. an eight. I'll go seven. Uh, the reasons that pushes the reasons that push him down from like a 10 are he's not a great shooter. Um, you also have to pay him pretty much right away. Um, you don't have him on a cheap deal for multiple years. Um, you'd probably be paying him as soon as next season. Um, but the things that push him up and make him great are, I think he's probably the best defender that Denver could feasibly get their hands on this summer. Um, and obviously in that piece that I wrote, I go over why I think that's possible. Um, but I mean, he's just really strong, really versatile, um, kind of does some things that Drew Holiday can do, um, but not quite to that level. Uh, just a really solid player i would say a high-end role player um kind of an aaron gordon level type of guy which is a guy that denver needs that's that's the level that we're talking about here that when when you're trying to get aggressive this is where denver should be looking i'm gonna go seven as well i think that's the right number for him there are some drawbacks as you mentioned and and i will say doesn't necessarily solve the size issue in denver's backcourt that's also probably one thing that i would i would mention but uh, he does like he's a bulldog on defense. I, I wouldn't necessarily be worried if he's guarding Devin Booker. Like he is going to give Devin Booker hell in in a lot of those matchups. Um, Derek White. Oh, Derek White. Uh, I'll give him a six. Okay. Um, kind of struggles with shooting a little bit, similar to Lou Dort. I think he's a better ball handler than Lou Dort. Um, if you're replacing Barton, I think that's somewhat important uh, because Barton is a pretty good ball handler. Um, and guys like Porter Jr., Gordon, Jokic, they're not really ball handlers. So I think that's an important thing to get back. And Derek White would provide that. Um, and then his defense, not on Lou Dort's level, but solid. Um, can do some good things on that end. So, yeah, I'll, I'll go with a six. 
it would probably take a significant change to to have Boston kind of pivot from where they traded him. Yep. But I wanted to bring him up because he's coming off the bench for them because he's in a situation where he wasn't playing well for a while. He's playing better now in the playoffs, but uh, he's a guy that I had circled initially as what would be a great fit for Denver at last trade deadline. So I wanted to bring him up here. I'm going to give him a seven though, because I, I think that he's he's got a little bit better size and the ball handling situation, I think, could help make Denver into a, a they're, they're a more versatile offense with him, even without the sh- with the shooting concerns. Um, Josh Hart. Josh Hart, I'm going to go with a seven, um, like Lou Dort. I don't think he's quite as good as Lou Dort, but I think what you'd have to give up to get him um, is quite a bit, uh, not quite a bit less, but a little bit less, a little bit, a little more palatable. Um, Josh Hart is a great rebounder. Uh, it's one thing I really love about him, and I think he would provide a lot to Denver in that regard, especially if he was staggered with the bench unit. Um, I think that'd be a really good spot for him. Um, and just a hustler, high IQ, likes to get out and transition. Um, I'm sure Jokic would be throwing him a lot of full court passes. Um, I just think it'd be a really solid fit. So that's how I feel about Josh Hart. He's heady, right? Like he's he's just a guy that he he understands the game at a very high level. Villanova guy knows what his role is, understands where he needs to be in order to be successful for the most part. I'm going to give it an eight. I do have some concerns about like his actual top end defensive level. That if Denver is trying to add a legit perimeter defender, then he may not be the guy. But in terms of a connective piece. He's about as good as they could possibly get. Uh, the contract situation is weird, but he would probably have to opt into those two years or at least the, the next year. And then the year after that, we'll see. Um, but it's a two year, $24 million contract. Basically that's really good. That's, that's as good as it can possibly get from a, a value standpoint in my mind. So that's why he gets bumped up for me. Um, D'Anthony Melton. Anthony Melton, um, I would probably give him a five. Wow. Um, hmm. we, I might be a little lower than you are. Is that my, is that a good guess? Uh, that, that is a good guess. Yes. Here's my reasoning is if DeAnthony Melton was making uh, less money than he is, I'd be a little higher on him, but because he's up, he's like making Monte Morris type money. And because of that, you'd have to move either Monte Morris or Will Barton for him. And if you do that, that's kind of that's kind of like your move because the Nuggets don't have a whole lot of salary to fill. Um, so that'd be like my only concern there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think he's a solid defender. Probably, I don't know, would I put his defense a little bit above Josh Hart? Uh, I might. They're, they're kind of similar. He's not as good of a rebounder, which I think is part of defense, in my opinion. But, uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll stick with a five there. It is a part of defense that I think Denver can kind of make up, given that they're going like they're the best defensive rebounding team in the league this year, or pretty close to it. Um, and Jokic is always going to be like that. Murray's a pretty strong rebounder for his position, and you've got Gordon, who's solid, and Porter, who's who's solid himself. So, I, I would I would say that if he was the less like 
the the lesser rebounder in the group, it would be fine. I'm giving it a seven, and I debated going with an eight uh, because I think that he's I think he's being underutilized in Memphis, and they have some issues with their structure because Jaw is also a small guard that isn't a very like he's not a good defender. DeAnthony Melton is, but if you're putting him into situations where he's always the the lead guy on wings. That's that's a problem. But can he guard guards? Absolutely. So I, I would be I would be stoked if he was added to Denver's backcourt rotation. If it means trading out Monte Morris, well, you traded out a, a better offensive player for a better defensive player, which I think is kind of where Denver's at at this stage, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um I guess my my main concern with Melton is just seeing him struggle in the playoffs, especially with his jump shot um, hasn't been quite as good, but, you know, like you said, it could be part due in part to his utilization there. Uh, Maybe if he was in a little bit better of a system with some different guard play around him, uh, he might get some better looks. Um, But yeah, I, I think he's a solid player. I'd be, I'd be totally happy if, if that's who Denver decided to go with. Sure. And then like we're splitting hairs on these things because all these guys, I think, are good fits, and I think they are upgrades, which is why I'm talking about them. Um, Cantavius Caldwell-Pope. Yeah, it, t- it takes me a minute to think about all these because i got to think about what they trade and everything. Sure. I'm thinking like Barton Barton in a second or a protected first yeah. or something. Yeah. Um, I'll go with the five for him as well. Hmm. Um, I think he's a better player than that rating might indicate right now. Um, he's not, he's not that old. I think he's still under 30. Um, he's not super injury prone or anything. Um, my only main concern there is like the contract situation. Uh, he'll be an unrestricted guy after this next season. Um, he's making Will Barton type money. Um, my concern there would just be like a Jeremy Grant type thing where, you know, maybe he just decides next summer that, yeah, I want to go somewhere else. Um, and then if, you know, if you traded a first round pick for a guy that just leaves like that, um, I mean, that's exactly what happened in the Jeremy Grant situation. Uh, and that's always a tough pill to swallow, but I really like his fit. I think he's a really underrated defender. Um, he's a really good shooter. Um, so it's mostly just the contract stuff that brings him down for me. I'm going to go with a six. And, and I do think that it is a, is a valid concern to be worried about the contract expiration and, and, being in that situation where you give up an asset and then that asset walks on you, uh, it would be tough. It, it put Denver in a really bad situation with Jeremy Grant, and they had to they had to pivot in several ways uh, for for that offseason that I think really kind of delayed what their ultimate title window was going to be. Uh, but with with KCP, he seems like a guy. Uh, he's he was so successful with the Lakers. He was so good as kind of that complimentary off ball shooter and lead defender in a, in a backcourt and somebody who could do just a little bit of everything and had the skill to do a little bit of everything, but didn't push it too hard. I think that he seems like a guy that would be willing to resign in a situation like that. But what do I know? Like I just, he, he got the, the clutch treatment and that clutch contract and he might be looking for another one. We'll we'll just have to see. Yeah. And Um, I would just add to, like you were saying, uh, out of the guys we've talked about so far, he does have championship experience. 
And I do think that's something that Denver should maybe look for this summer um, is maybe a guy or two that have been there before and can kind of help push the nuggets along. Hey, let's build some good habits during the regular season uh, so we can get where we want to go. Okay, you've changed my mind. I'm moving Derek White down to a six and I'm moving KCP up to a seven. All right. We are here. We are doing this. Um, Matisse Teibel. Oh, man. I'm going to go. This is going to surprise some people because I know he's really popular. I'm going to go with a four. Um, And that's because I think he's a little overrated right now, to be honest. I think it would cost a lot more to get him than what I think he's actually worth. Um, And I think his offense is is not only bad, it's like really bad um, to the point where it feels like you're playing five on four sometimes. Um, And we've Mm. been through, we've been through that. I mean, we had Compazzo here and it it got ugly at times. And, you know, just imagine that um, with a guy that's a little more athletic and maybe can do a little more, um, but trading a bunch of assets for a guy like that, um, I'm just not a fan of. So uh, that's why I'm going with the four. All good. I'm going with a five. I'm, I'm a little bit naturally more positive on most of these guys than you are because I, I, I believe in Denver's structure mostly, yeah. and I believe in, in Murray and, and Porter and them coming back and being fine and these guys kind of adding to that. But I think that he could be a, a token starter in a lot of ways where, where you start him, you have him harass the opposing guy, you play him three stints at the beginning of the first, the end of the second, start of the third, and then maybe he doesn't close and, and you put that into a situation where you, you got your advantage from those first three stints and you, you go with a different closing group. And that's great if you've got a guy like Bones or a guy like Monte and you're just trying to blitz them with offense at the end. But like you said, you're, you're, you're still looking to defend at the end of games, too. So it would be tough. It's a tougher fit for sure. Uh, the value, like you said, it's, it's not at its uh, most enticing to go get. Uh, but hey, like. Philly might be looking to make changes. Like there's, there's no, there's no promises there that they just flamed out and a certain big man flamed out as well. Uh, I'm just sorry. I'm super petty. Um, Josh Richardson. Yeah. Josh Richardson. I'll go with a, uh, I'll go with a six. Okay. Because I think he's a similar level player to Will Barton. I think he's just more defensive minded than Will Barton is like, you're kind of swapping an offensive guy at that talent level for more of a defensive guy at that talent level. I don't think he would cost a lot to get Uh, the Spurs have a log jam of guards um, and he is, he's pretty clearly the one that they'd most prefer to move. Um, So I don't think it would be a super expensive deal to get him. Um, and I think if he came, I think he'd be a, a solid starter, just kind of like kind of like Will Barton is when he's healthy, you know, just a solid piece um, that, w- that would work well. So, so yeah, I'm going with that. This is the first one where I'm going to be lower on him than you. I'm going with a five uh, just because for, for all the reasons that you said that he is a, a solid player. I'm a little bit worried that the defense with him has become a little bit overrated because of what he did back in Miami, as opposed to what he's actually been doing in all of his previous spots with Philly and Dallas and like just, just everywhere in between. He looked bad Uh, in Dallas for sure. Yeah. Like, like that there's, there's some good stuff that he did in San Antonio, but am I, and, and 
in Boston too. Like, so he's been all around for all of these places and hasn't stuck. And I feel like that is a, that's not necessarily a great sign. So I, I, I'm going to put him at a five here. Dylan Brooks, a, the, the bell of the ball in terms of people that are, are a little bit upset about playoff performances right now. And Dylan Brooks is going to be like a two. I think I'll go with, yeah, I think I'll go with a two. Uh, if you don't like Will Barton's shot selection, you're going to hate Dylan Brooks. Um, that's for sure. And I mean, I could almost go to a three because I think like he has some tenacity to him, some toughness that I think Denver lacks a little bit. Right. Um, should that push him up to a three? Yeah, sure. I'll give him a three because of okay. that. Um, I'll push him up to a three. Um, but uh, really likes to shoot, doesn't take the best shots. Um, and I think his value on the trade market would be a little higher than I'd like it to be. I'm going to have it at a four. Like it's we're we're kind of in the same tier on all of these that it just doesn't make a lot of sense that if you're, if you're going and you're really upset about Will Barton's shot selection and you're really upset about his, his shooting talent, imagine getting somebody who's worse than both. That seems like a, a pretty bad scenario that Denver shouldn't necessarily be considering, but wanted to bring him up. He's, he's a Canadian guy. He's also like one of the better defenders on this list. So is it possible that he takes a, a fourth option number of shots at a, at a different destination? Yeah, of course it is. Like he's been the, he's been the second option or and sometimes even the first option with, with Memphis for much of his career. So I, I think there is growth potential for him where he, he kind of learns and understands his role in a new situation, but uh, like you, I'm, I'm a little bit worried. Um, two more for me. And, and then we can hit the free agents, but the first one I want to talk about is Bogdan Bogdanovich. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's some people that like to talk about him coming to Denver. And I know he put out that tweet a few days ago um, about Jokic's MVP case, I think. Right. Yeah. That, that got him some love uh, around Denver. Um, what would I give him? Probably a, a four. Oh, um, wow. <laughs> man, I just really don't like his defense. Serbia is going to come for you, man. That's uh, that is brutal. <laughs> well, they, they can come for me. It's not, you know, I don't think he's a bad player. I'm just looking at, you know, what it would take to get him. I think he's a name. Like if you think of uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, you know, people know who that is. They know he's a good shooter, um, solid role player, uh, making a, a good chunk of change. So it would take a little bit to get him. Uh, that's my main reason for dropping him down. His talent's definitely higher than a four. Um, and I think chemistry-wise, you know, I'm sure he would do great with Jokic. Um, but it's mostly just the cost, I think, that would push him down a little bit for me. What do you think it would cost to get him? Oh, man. Sorry to put you on the spot like no, that. You're but... good. I'm, I'm, just, I'm thinking from Atlanta's point of view, you know, they got DeAndre Hunter there. I think he's a solid starting wing. They're not going to move him. Um, you know, if you're moving Bogdanovich, I think you want someone that can shoot back. Um, at what position do you want that guy? You know, I, I think they'd ask for one of Zeke or Bones. I'm not okay. sure exactly which one they'd want. 
Um, and obviously those guys aren't making that much money. So then you'd have to throw in like a Will Barton, um, who I think would do well for them. I think he'd be a solid player there. So maybe it's Will Barton, Bones or Zeke, um, first round pick, and maybe a little bit of extra on there, maybe a second round pick as well. Uh, that, that'd be my guess for a package. It, to me, I think that price is worth it. And, and it's a little bit outside of the box. And the reason why is like you said, he's not, he's not the stud defender that you're hoping for, that you're looking to constantly push forward. But what he is going to do is, is you can put him into a situation where you can always stagger your lineups. You can always have talented offensive players on the court at every position. And there's, just very few holes that you would have in your offensive lineups uh, going forward that I think we, we saw a lot of holes for Denver whenever Jokic stepped off the floor this past year. So would it be a, a massive, massive risk from a defensive standpoint? Yes. Do I think that Denver's trades would be done in that standpoint? No. Like I think that they would still have to do one or two more things on top of that. So, but like, I, I'm going to give it, I, I can't, I haven't decided between a six or a seven. I think I'm going to give it a seven because he is a guy that you could feel, okay, we have this guy and he's going to remain at his contract value. That's it's, it is what it is. Like you got to pay him what you got to pay him. But if you needed to move a Michael Porter in the future, or you needed to move a Jamal Murray in the future or an Eric Gordon in the future, I feel like you can bring him in and feel good for the entirety of Nikola Jokic's prime. Yeah. No, I think those are all fair points. Um, probably less of a flight risk after his contract is over than some guys. Um, and I don't know why it is, but European players tend to like Denver a little better than, than some of the American guys. Um, so I think that's a plus for sure. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't know. I mean, I struggle a little bit because I'm not sure if that makes the Nuggets 100% better on both ends it obviously makes them way better offensively um but i just think if you did that move you'd have to add another defender because i think um it would, sure. be really, it would be really hard if you didn't so uh I, like you're not gonna get any arguments from me on that front that is a as a garen freaking t uh last one for you malcolm brogdon okay yeah malcolm brogdon you know, I struggle to I struggle to piece together what I think Indiana might want. Do you have a trade in mind before I give a rating? I do. Um, I think that you're probably looking at either Monte or Barton as as kind of your main salary piece. If it's Monte, you're throwing in Jamichael Green in addition to that as kind of a like assuming that he opts into his player option, which I both think we both think is is very reasonable. So you've got Monte, you've got Jamichael. You're probably trading Zeke because they have a pretty weak future front court situation right now. And then a first round pick or two. Yeah, I think that's, that's fair. Um, they had Jalen Smith this year. Who's probably going to leave just because of some contractual stuff. So sure. I agree. We'll I talk agree. about him soon. <laughs> yeah, I agree that, uh, that Zeke would probably be the guy they'd ask for. Okay. So with that package in mind, I'd probably give him a, I give him a six. I think he's pretty solid. Um, I think that, you know, 
people don't really watch a lot of Pacers games, honestly, because they they haven't been very good. Um, They don't exactly have the uh, most entertaining players to watch. And so because of that, I think Brogdon's kind of fallen under the radar a little bit. Um, So I think he's a really solid guy, really good shooter. Not a, I wouldn't call him like a plus defender, but I wouldn't call him like a negative either. I think he's solid there. Um, maybe he's a small plus even. So, um, yeah, I'll go with, I'll go with the six. I think it'd be a good move for sure. I think a six is probably the right call because like, like what we talked about, it's, it's a steep price to pay for a guy like that. You're getting a much better offensive player. Um, unlike Bogdanovich, I I am a little bit worried more about not, not his age, but just like, I, I think he's got a little bit more mileage on him in general, uh, he's although he was drafted in 2016, how can I realistically say that? Um, it, it just feels it feels different with him for whatever reason. Like he's had some injuries is where I I'll mostly go with that, but had some injuries. He's a little bit pricier from a contract standpoint. You're going to be squeezed a little bit in other areas. I, I'm giving it a six because there there is some value to it but I would be a little bit concerned about the overall price and then them kind of cutting some corners before. But I, I will say like Murray Brogdon bones in your backcourt, I think is a, a much more tenable defensive option than Murray bones Monte. Yeah. And, you know, as we, as we wrap up the trade conversation, you know, one guy that people reach out to me and ask me about that I'll just bring up real quick is DeJounte Murray. Sure. Uh, if I was rating him right here, he would be a 10 out of 10. I love DeJounte mm. Murray, um, but there is no way the Spurs are trading him. <laughs> Absolutely no way. Like, I don't know if I could come up with 10 guys that I think are more untradeable right now than DeJounte Murray. Um, I, I love my big guards. I'm a big Cade Cunningham guy, uh, big guards, so... Uh, nuggets aren't going to get him, but I do love DeJounte Murray. I just never talk about him because I just don't, I don't see it happening. So it's so funny. He was initially on my list and I wanted to cut it down to 10 guys. Then I added an 11th, but I cut him. He, he would be at the top of my list in terms of, okay, you're trying to find the fifth guy to pair with these guys. Who are you looking at? And he's probably the, like, he's just the first name. He's just very talented, very like not, not necessarily available, but you don't know what the Spurs are going to do. They're the Spurs. Like they could do whatever the hell that they want to. So uh, you're, you're right. He's likely ungettable, but it's a good thought. It's a good, it's a good thing to think about. That package would be uh that would be steep. Yes. To say that. Would. <laughs> All right. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to do a similar exercise, probably a quicker exercise in general with the free agency targets. We'll be right back. Pickaxe and Roll, Ryan Blackburn here, final segment. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We've got a very special episode today. I, I, I feel very good about the, the progress that we have made on this front. Here with Jake Point, Bronco Squatch, uh, we are talking trade targets in the previous segments. Let's talk free agency targets now. Would you agree with me that given, given Denver's financial limitations that they should not be looking for a starter 
as a free agent, they should be looking as a at a backup mostly. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, unless Denver did something really wild and traded one of like their core four pieces and had to fill in a starting position, um, then in that case maybe. But but yeah, I think I think you're looking at depth in free agency. I guess it is possible that you could find a a ring chaser type, somebody like a a Wes Matthews, and we could talk about him in this in this segment here. That he's a guy that that has been very valuable on a cheap contract for Milwaukee this year. Every year there are guys like that that happen to fill in for that starter spot because they make the most sense. It wasn't the initial plan for Wes Matthews to be the starter, though, from what I understand. Like that's sort of like things had to happen in order for that to happen. So it is what it is. I think we should. Uh, I think we should mostly focus on the bench. And what I'm really focusing on is the bench wing, kind of, kind of some guards, but mostly the bench wing spots. You mentioned the three, somebody to ultimately replace PJ Dozier, give Denver a little bit more size on the bench, but also maintain that versatility. That's where, that's where I've really focused in on this thing. Uh, do you agree with that as kind of their top bench priority right now? Oh, I definitely agree. Um, I'm, I personally, you know, was not a huge fan of how uh, guard heavy and power forward heavy the Nuggets have been recently. Um, I really think that having guys that are kind of in that middle ground that are wings that can run, grab some rebounds, get out in transition. I think those are really valuable guys. And again, that's why they're hard to find sometimes. Um, but, but I would love to get a guy like that in Denver for sure. Denver's got to work on the margins here for that reason. The, some of the names that I'm bringing up, they're not sexy names, but they're going to be names that hopefully you hit a double as opposed to a single with this. If you're using baseball analogies here, that's kind of where we, we get the nuggets have to live. Like they, they can't, they, they could try to hit the home run with the trades, but with the, with the free agency targets, you got to keep it realistic. So with that in mind, I'm giving you the most uh, interesting name that we're going to talk about. Amir Coffee. <laughs> Amir Coffee. Oh, that was not what I was expecting. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, he's just a solid guy. You're going to hear me say that a bunch about these free agents. They're a solid right. guy because the guys that are in Denver's price range just aren't, they're not going to wow you. You know, you're not going to read on Twitter, you know, the Nuggets are signing so and so and get super hyped. That's, probably not how it's going to be but i will i you know i will that's that's <laughs> definitely happening <laughs> but yeah i mean amir coffee uh, we're talking about a younger guy so he has some more growth potential i think that's an attractive thing um is he a guy that's coming in and you're saying yes he is part of our nine-man playoff rotation i don't know um i think he's borderline um depending on what the rest of the nuggets moves are uh so i'll give him like a a six, just because I think he wouldn't cost cost all that much. So, I am giving him an eight, and I know that people are going to be like, "Wow, that is really high for a mere freaking coffee, Ryan." But he's a restricted free agent, so this may not even be viable. But the the Clippers are in such an interesting financial position where they they just keep paying their own guys and making sure not to leave anything on the table. Right now, he's a guy that might slip through the cracks because he was falling out of their playoff rotation by the end of it this year, but he's six, seven. 
He's talented. He's versatile. He was running some some plays for them. He's he shot. He's a career thirty eight percent three point shooter on on low volume, admittedly, but he's been in the league for three years. Like this is a talented player who's a talent not not a talented defender, but a solid defender. And I think that he has some more growth potential. So I'm going to go with an eight. Brood, I, would, uh, I would just add real quick with him a team. A team like the Clippers that has an owner that's clearly willing to spend, um, they're not going to keep a guy like Amir Coffey around unless they actually liked him. You know, they would just get rid of him, add another veteran. If that guy doesn't work, you get rid of him and add another veteran. Uh, so I'd say, you know, a guy like him coming from that roster, I think has a lot of promise, as opposed to if you're bringing a guy from like the the Thunder or something, you know, you would think that you know, maybe they were just on a roster to to hold a spot down. So the Clippers know what they're doing. If you're getting a Clipper player, unless it is Luke Kennard or Marcus Morris, then you should be pretty happy if if you're the Nuggets. Um, Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown. I would give him. I mean, I'd give him like a seven, but I think he will be too expensive. Um, I don't think the Nuggets can get him. I believe the the Nets have early bird rights on him. Okay. Um, if I'm remembering that correctly, that enables them to pay him up to 105% of the league average salary, which is going to be around 10 and a half million. That's the same thing the Nuggets can do with Austin Rivers, by the way. Um, and I think they'll give him enough to kind of fend off some of the teams that might come after him. So. There should be some teams that do as well, because like he, he's a talented piece. That is a very unique piece to a rotation for a, a team that, that like the, the nets, they had to be like, they needed Ben Simmons in that role, but Bruce Brown is pretty decent approximate for, for somebody that's six, four. So I, I would like to have him, but like you said, it's going to be pretty tough. So for that reason, I'm going to put it as a six. I think that even if Denver threw the entire taxpayer MLE that might not even afford him. So that's, uh, that's kind of the position that we're in. Um, Cody Martin. So that's a hard one from uh, Charlotte Hornets, small forward for those who are a little bit confused. (laughs) Yeah. He was a name I actually looked at for my report too. Um, You know, when I was crafting that list of free agents, I'd say he probably made the top, you know, 15 guys I was looking at. I think he provides some solid things. I think he's a good size, good athleticism. Um, I don't know. You know, I haven't watched him enough probably to say this. I just don't know if he's like the smartest player. Um, I think he's decent, um, but I've never watched him and been really impressed with his feel of the game. Um, And I just wonder if you're looking at a backup wing, if maybe you want to get somebody who uh, you know can think the game really well. Um, if they have to play up with Jokic or something. Uh, so did I give him a rating yet? I don't think I don't I think so. I'll give him a five um, just because I don't think he'd be, he wouldn't be ridiculously expensive and he fills a nice role as far as his size and athleticism. So I'm going to give him a six. Uh, like you said, size athleticism is really the name of the game here. He, he's a, he's a good shooter. He's not a great shooter by any stretch, but he's also just a, like, he seems like a, solid defender that they would put on a lot of their guys and, and a lot of the, like they were a, a terrible defense, but he was the guy that kind of like Austin rivers 
would be the the soul to bear uh, for for all of the elite players on their team. So uh, that's a that's a tough role for anybody to play. Would he play that in Denver? No. Would he be a guy that can give you some good defensive minutes? Hopefully. So I'm, I'm going to stick with a six there. Delon Wright. Yeah, Delon Wright is a is a solid defender. Um, I think he provides more on that end than some of the guys we've talked about in the free agency list so far. Um, I think he would cost, uh, would he cost more than the minimum? Probably a little bit more. I don't think he would take your full taxpayer mid-level exception, um, but I think you'd probably have to give him a little bit more than the minimum to get him. Hmm. Um, So for that reason, I'll give him, I'll give him a six too. um, Just because, I think he's more defensive minded. Um, and I think that would work well. Definitely more defensive minded. Uh, somebody that I think if if Bones or Monte really struggled in a playoff series, then you could throw in DeLon right and still feel good about those backcourt minutes for sure. Uh, I am going to give him a five, though. He always seems like a guy like a guy that starts outside of the rotation for teams and like not necessarily in the in the main plans and then kind of makes his way into it by the end of the season. But uh, whether that is a good thing or a bad thing, I'm not even really sure. Uh, so I'm I'm just gonna stick five. He seems like a good baseline target. Um, Troy Brown Jr., your old beau. <laughs> Man, I could go on for. 20 minutes about Troy Brown Jr. (laughs) I have wanted this guy on the Nuggets for like probably since he came out in the draft. I mean, uh, and he was in the Michael Porter Jr. draft. Uh, He came out of Oregon. Super smart player. Um, Not going to not going to kill kill you with his shooting. Um, He can hit some maybe maybe kind of like an Aaron Gordon type shooter, Uh, maybe a little better, Um, but just a really smart player. Um, make some really good plays on defense um, just out of intelligence, knowing where to be. Um, and as soon as he gets that ball, he is getting in transition. Um, he can dribble a little bit, um, not going to blow by you, but he can do enough to, to get out, get a layup, get a dunk. Um, I just really like him, man. And uh, I won't, I won't wax poetic on him for too long. Um He's a restricted free agent, but I do think Chicago um, would probably let him go um, unless he's just ridiculously cheap. Uh, so I'm going to give him an eight. Nice. I love it. That's that is on brand as hell. Um, I am going to give him a five uh, for the the reasons that Chicago is willing to give him up. I think uh, they like they're in a situation right now where. They need spacing. They need players that are willing and able to do some things with the ball when their guys aren't doing as well. And now Nikola Jokic is better than Nikola Vucevic. And I think that Murray and Porter are like, they're, they're going to be good spacers for other guys that can drive and do some things. So maybe Troy Brown Jr. can hit and, and he's still young enough, of course, that there, there is still some definite growth potential here with him, but I would be a little bit worried if he was like a, a three or $20 million taxpayer MLE kind of guy where you're, you're putting all of your eggs in that basket. It's just a big bet to make. And for a team that really struggled and kind of flamed out with the Chicago bulls, he couldn't really help them. So I'm putting it at a five. Yeah. Are you, are you in, uh, incensed at me? 
<laughs> no, I'm not. I think people are going to listen to this and they're going to crack up when they hear me give him an eight. Cause I don't know if I've given anybody an eight yet. Maybe I, I, I let's, let's look back. You gave DeJounte Murray a 10. Oh, oh yeah. Gave, okay. I gave you gave uh, Oh no. And, and so you've got some sevens on the board, but other than that, like, like that's, that's so funny. Well, it's mostly just cause of cost, man. Like I don't, if, sure. if you got me, if you got me to take my Troy Brown glasses off, maybe I'd give him a seven, but I'm perfectly fine. <laughs> perfectly fine being a Troy Brown junior Homer right now. Uh, Cause I think he, <laughs> I think he has a lot of growth potential. So, and he wouldn't be too expensive. So, uh, I'm raising my flag on uh, TBJ Island and giving him an eight. Maybe I'll only give him a seven, is one of the funniest things I've heard today. <laughs> that is hilarious. Um, Derek Jones Jr., another, another guy that he has been in and out. Yeah, Derek Jones Jr. is, if you were to draw up what the Nuggets, need like what that player would look like you would draw up somebody that looks like uh derrick jones jr uh super athlete lengthy um fast just has everything physically that you would want out of a player like him um but the mental aspect of the game seems to be a struggle for him um similar to some guys we've talked about already he kind of doesn't stick with his teams uh, which makes you question a little bit, you know, what is this guy doing or not doing? Because he does have everything physically. So why is he not sticking with a team? Right. Um, so I think that's a concern. Um, I think he would cost the full taxpayer MLE. Um, and for that reason, uh, I think I'll give him, uh, I'm leaning four, but I'll go five just because he is just physically exactly what the Nuggets would need. It is true. Uh, I, I would prefer to pay Amir Coffee 10 times out of 10 because I, I think that like you, he has growth potential with, with your Troy Brown Jr. love. Like I there's there are guys that I think make more sense from a a high basketball IQ standpoint that can be a little bit more ver- that can be that physically versatile piece, but aren't necessarily going to like they've they've got some debilitating characteristics and coffee doesn't. Derek Jones certainly does uh, with the lack of shooting and kind of the, the understanding of the floor spacing when he's not the pick and roll guy at six, four um, or six, five, he, he might be six, five, six, six um, Austin rivers. Oh, one of the nuggets own. Mm-hmm. Um, I really put a lot of weight into guys that I've seen play with the nuggets and be successful. Um, I think that's really important. And I think that is really valuable. Uh, so because of that, I'll give, I'm going to give Austin an eight as well. Um, simply for the fact that you wouldn't have to use a, an exception on him. Uh, you could pay him with bird rights. Um, so at that point, your, your only cost really is to the, the Cronkies wallets. Um, sure. So asset wise, you're not using anything on him. You've seen him. He's won uh, some big playoff minutes for you before. Um, just a solid player. Um, and I think he has grown into his role. I think a few years ago, people would have said that he's a guy that doesn't really know his role, um, but I think he's grown into it really well. Um, and just a solid piece. So I'm giving him a seven for all of the same reasons. He does have his 
uh, liabilities. He does have his weaknesses, and we should be honest about that, that he, he can really sometimes struggle on the offensive end now, which is not something I would have said before, but uh, he he's a guy that I think you have to game plan for offensively and kind of to, to compensate for, which is a little bit tough, but the defense and the character and all of the things in between are valuable. And like you said, if it's just the cost of the Cronkies, then you don't want to let that guy walk. Like just give him, give him a slight pay raise and, and be on your way. That's, that's kind of where I, where I see it. Um, and, and you said guys who are familiar with the system. What about old friend Gary Harris? Oh man, Gary Harris. I, by the end of his time in Denver, I was definitely ready for him to leave. Um, not out of, any disrespect to who he is as a person or anything, but he was just struggling so hard while he was here uh, offensively, um, especially with his health. My thing with Gary is that we've seen the injury issues. And if you're going to get him, you're going to be using your full taxpayer MLE on him. Um, And if you're doing that, you're putting a lot of your uh, available assets by using that MLE into a guy who you know, I don't know, over the last four years, what percent of games has he actually played? Is it like, you know, 60% or something? Has he played 60% right. of games? I think that's a big gamble, um, even if you could get him. But this last year, I know from, I want to say it was a left corner. I think he was the best shooter in the league from the left corner. Um, so he obviously had some <clears throat> return to normalcy there. Um, but I think he'd cost a lot and the injuries are a little concerning. Uh, so I'll give him a, I'll give him a five. I had written down five before you said it. It does seem like it, it could be a good fit. Like there, there's definitely potential for it to be a good fit. But one of the questions that I do have is that if he's running what the backup three, like given that you've got Monte and Bones and now you've got Gary Harris there, that is just so small. And, and for that reason, like, is he going to be the starting two? Are, is, is this one of the, the rare free agency guys that you could just plug right back into the starting unit, kind of be that that token to Dante Jones-style starter as well? I'm not sure. Like, I think there's there's some merit to that for sure. Uh, if you're if you're looking to trade Will and maybe, maybe you're trading Will for a, a better backup center option or something like that, or, or a just stability around the rest of your, your rotation as opposed to necessarily going for that starter level piece like Gary is the one guy that I think you could realistically say yeah we are giving you the full MLE and we plan for you to be the starter uh, but it is also like you said a health gamble so I'm, I'm giving it a five I don't think that it makes a ton of sense but it, if that was what they did I would not be surprised yeah I'm in agreement with you for all the all the same reasons and uh you know, there is that value of him having played in the system and stuff, which is good. Um, but, uh, you know, how how much injury stuff can you risk with this roster right now? Uh, I think that's tough. Right. So 100 uh, percent outside the box free agent. We've got three more of these guys. Dante DiVincenzo. Uh, he's a he's like a really interesting one just because I think he has a lot lower floor, but a lot higher ceiling than a lot of guys that Denver could feasibly get. And he might end up being a little too expensive as well. Sure. So, you know, this might not even be realistic anyways, but um, coming off that, that uh, foot or ankle injury, whatever it was, 
Um, hasn't looked quite like his old self yet, but he does show through at times. Decent defender. Um, and when he's healthy, I think he's a guy that you can uh, stagger with the starters a little bit. He could do some good things there. Um, he would be expensive. Like I said, I don't know if Denver could even get him. Um, and there's also a little bit of injury risk there, not as much as Gary or anything, but uh, I'll give DiVincenzo a five just because I feel like we haven't seen enough out of him to know. And I think that low floor kind of scares me because of that. I, I, I'm wavering between three, four, and five for that reason, just because it does seem like he's like he, he's a little bit tentative and and having to make that bet on him is a good bet to make probably, but how much realistically does he improve your defensive ceiling with him? Uh, is he more of an offensive play, like trying to unlock some of those traits going forward? I'm not really sure. I'm going to move it up to a four, actually, just as I say it. It's 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 tough, but like I I don't see him as the answer, despite the fact that it, he's a guy that everybody should be having a conversation about because he is talented. Like there's there's no question about that. And he went to the Kings. What are we talking about here? Like there's there's definitely a reason to think that he could be better in another situation. So. Yeah. I would just add to if, you know, if you're like me and you kind of think the nuggets are where the bucks were before they made the drew holiday trade <clears throat> timeline wise. Well, the bucks pretty shortly thereafter traded DiVincenzo. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, part of that was, you know, some injury stuff and everything, but they clearly didn't think that his value to the team and championship aspirations um, would help them get where they wanted to go. Um, and they went a different direction. So, you know, that's always something to think about, um, when a guy was with, with a team like that. Yeah. hundred percent. Uh, another Bucks guy, Wesley Matthews. Yeah. Wesley Matthews has had some moments in these playoffs. Um, some good moments that is, mm -hmm. um, he's definitely on the older side. Um, he would be a minimum salary guy or barely above minimum. The role that I would see Wes Matthews playing is kind of like um, what Rajon Rondo was for the Lakers in like 2019, 2020, where you try not to play him that much during the regular season in hopes that he'll kind of win you some good minutes during the playoffs. Um, and I think Denver would, would be fine with a player like that and he wouldn't cost that much. Um, so I'll give him, I'll give him a six. I want to give him a five, but I'll give him a six because of the um, deep playoff experience that he has. He's been fantastic in these playoffs. I'm giving him a seven because when you're thinking about defensive versatility and different guys that could really help you out in different situations, he's guarding Jason Tatum. He's guarding Jalen Brown. He's doing all of this for a Bucks team that desperately needs him to, and he's doing it at a really high level despite being at a high age. So I think he's a, a quality veteran with championship experience that they could bring in and feel really, really good about. Um, is he going to be perfect? No. But if you're getting him for just over the minimum or maybe half of the taxpayer Emily, then I, I would feel good about that. He's one guy that I would feel good about uh, splitting that over, maybe not necessarily giving the full thing to, but if you give him half of it, then more power to him. He seems like a good option. Uh, last one, Victor Oladipo. 
<laughs> yeah, Victor Oladipo. Um, I think he's a popular name with Nuggets fans. <clears throat> I think some of that has to do with just uh, recognition value and stuff. Super injury prone. You know, that's a big time injury risk. Um, also a chance that he's too expensive. Sure. Um, but when he's healthy, he probably provides you more than most of the free agents we've talked about. Um, but to be fair, we don't know how often that'll be. Uh, so that's kind of the downside with him. Um, I definitely think he's a full MLE type guy or at least like five plus million of it. Sure. Um, so I'm going to give Oladipo, I'm going to give him a four. Um, I do have some questions about his, um, how would I say it? The Nuggets like to bring in guys that like to spend a lot of time in the gym and really love basketball. And I don't want to like question Oladipo too much on it, but I think he's less like that uh, than a lot of the Nuggets players are right now. Um, so I'd have some off the court uh, kind of questions about that. So that's kind of why I give him that rating. I'm giving him a four two. Uh, the the injury risk is is where I kind of land with him. That if even if he stays healthy, he's always going to be a question mark. And I just think Denver has too many of those guys right now. Where, where you're just waiting for the ticking time bomb to go off. And at least one of those guys is going to probably not go through and not, and not have a fully healthy, successful season. So my thing is that you probably have to have as many pieces going the same direction as you could possibly can. And if they've got multiple guys that are out once again, then it's just going to be that much harder to win a title. So I, he's a guy that I would stick away from for the, the health reasons, but like you said, talented guy. If they took that chance, I would not berate them for it, but it's not the chance that I would take. Yeah. And you know, some people might listen to this and think, Oh, well, high upside. Shouldn't you want the injury risk? And I think one of my counters to that um, is, you know, if you bring a guy like Oladipo and you plan on having him in your guard rotation and he's not, uh, well, how much more pressure does that put on Jamal Murray? You know, how many more, how many more minutes, is Murray having to play because Oladipo's hurt or because Gary Harris is hurt. Um, I, I think that's something you want to avoid. Uh, so that's just another reason to, to kind of uh, go away from the injury risks. Are there any other free agents that I didn't mention that you think Denver should be focused on? I didn't really mention centers, didn't really mention forwards. I've got a list here if you want to talk about them at all, but I, I mostly focused on the perimeter for obvious reasons. No, um, let's, let's see. You know, there's always – there might be guys that get cut this summer that we're not even thinking of. Um, the only other guy I'd add uh, whose name we mentioned earlier was Jalen Smith um, because the Nuggets apparently were interested in him at the trade deadline, um, and uh, they also liked him coming out of the draft. Um, and he's a guy with a unique contract situation. And because of that, um, the Nuggets could look to add him. He's more of a high upside play. I'm not even sure if he'd be in a rotation, playoff rotation this next year. Um, but I think he could provide a lot down the line. Uh, so that's at least just a name that I would uh, listen out for. A good name, to be clear. He's on the list. Um, other centers that I've got kind of on the list are Andre Drummond, Mitchell Robinson, Chris Boucher, 
and Kevon Looney. Uh, whether they're in Denver's price tag or not, I don't really know. And whether they're willing to spend the full taxpayer MLE on one of those guys, I'm not really sure. But at least if they decide to go more of the re-signing routes or trading for that solution, then maybe they spend their money on a center. That's at least a possibility. Forwards, Otto Porter, Nick Batum, Kyle Anderson, Torian Prince. I'm not as concerned about the forward position because I kind of believe in Zeke Naji. And they also have two guys in Jeff and Jermichael Green that are probably going to pick up their player options anyway. So not as worried about the forward position. Yeah, I'm with you there. Um, I honestly think if Zeke's late season injury didn't happen, I think he would have been a consistent part of the playoff rotation. Um, and it's really Same. unfortunate that that it didn't turn out that way because I think it would be really good for him going forward. Um, but I expect him to be part of the rotation this season. Well, Jake, thank you so much for hopping on with me, man. This has been fantastic. Uh, any other topics you think we should talk? I, I'm just kidding. We've we've uh, we've exhausted uh, Jake here thoroughly in all of his basketball knowledge. Uh, I think we covered a lot of people though. This is this should be a good free agency primer for a lot of people that we've that we've recorded in advance now. Yeah, um, it was good to be on. Good to talk through all those names with you. Uh, I guess I'll have to make like some Troy Brown fan club shirts or something. You know, if there's another single person out there that thinks he has the upside, I do. Maybe we'll have to all start a club or something. But uh, but I enjoyed it. Uh, it was a good talk. Between the trades and the free agency targets, the top three guys were DeJounte Murray, um, Josh Hart, and Lou Dort on the trade front. And on the free agency front, uh, they were Amir Coffee because of me, Austin Rivers bringing him back, uh, and by the looks of it, a tie between Troy Brown and Bruce Brown. That is so funny. What a list. Um, that is that that is quality content right here from us so again thank you so much for hopping on this was really exciting i hope nuggets fans are excited about that list and and can look forward to the future for sure Uh, but for everybody else that is going to do for this episode of pickaxe and roll brought to you by mile high sports thank you so much everybody for tuning in appreciate all the love and support as always we will be back on monday uh, talk about whatever the hell I want to talk about because that's just where we are at with this offseason. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Talk to you guys very soon.